0: The following program is brought to you by the Intergalactic Educational Audio Network. Welcome back, everybody, to And So the Mind Reels podcast. I am your host, Lee Mueller, and in the last Episodes, if you listen to those episodes, I gave some shout outs to some friends of mine who are doing some very creative things out there in the world, doing their thing. And I gave some shout outs and some cross plugs uh, over there to them. But I thought, you know what? This time, on this episode, on this day, I'm going to go ahead and just give a shout out to you. That's right, you. You, you are listening right now. You who chose to listen to this today. I'm giving a shout out to you, whatever you do, whether you're interested in the creative fields, in the arts, whatever it is that you do. I don't care. You're a car mechanic. You sell insurance. I don't care. You, you're great. Thank you. Shout out to you. (音楽) Thank you. Thanks for coming back. In this episode, I'm going to explore another whole side of exposition that I didn't talk about last time. Now, this will especially apply to all you out there who've ever wanted to try to, you know, write a story or if you are a writer or a screenwriter or a playwright or whatever, where you're going to be creating worlds and telling stories, there's things you need to know. Now, if you've ever taken a class, in writing, you may have heard this phrase, show. Don't tell. What does that mean? Well, quite simply, it means it's sometimes easier for a storyteller, a writer, to show you something that the audience can actually see described that's not Hold to them through really awkward-sounding dialogue. If you listen to the last episode, I went into this scene where I have two people who know each other, say a brother and a sister, and the sister starts talking about their uncle who's walking up the driveway. And us, as an audience, when we're reading this or seeing this, we would think, well, why is she telling him all about their uncle's backstory? Because his uncle too, he would know this stuff, this is really kind of dumb, and we can avoid that, as I said in my last example, is by having someone telling something to someone who doesn't know. One way we could do that is, okay, imagine this. We have a scene, and there's people standing in a room, okay? We have to back to... Maybe it's a cocktail party. Maybe it's there's some light jazz going on, and we're clinking glasses. And as a writer, I need to describe or tell you about some of these people in this room. How could I do that? Mm, let's see. How could I do that? Oh, I'll take Lee's example, and I'll have someone who doesn't know these people come, come into the room. Wait a minute. What if... I used a newspaper reporter Maybe he was invited to this party And he comes into this party And starts looking around the room At these various people that he doesn't know And he says To the host of the party Say Excuse me who, Who's that fellow standing over there By the bookcase Why, why that's Jacob Mahanahana He's the, uh, he's the town banker Oh, I see the banker, huh? Yeah, I can tell he's got the monocle and the, the chain, uh, the watch. Uh, what about, what about? Who's that lady over there? Oh well, that's Marion. She's the librarian. Oh, okay. Yeah, I can tell by the, the glasses with the chains hanging up. And what about that guy over there? Oh well, that's that's Bill uh, Turnipseed. He uh, he works down at the quarry. He he shovels rock all day oh okay yeah i can see he's got uh calluses on his hands there so basically in doing this i'm having this information poured out to my reader to my viewer to my whoever that's watching the story or reading the story describing these people at this party and now you know who they are and what they do. And the way I've done it is by having another character who doesn't know, who's kind of representative of the audience, of the reader, coming in going, oh, who's that guy? Well, who's this person? Who's... It? What's going on here? How come there's things flying about? Or why is this room painted this color? You know, Whatever I need you to know, I can have someone come in and ask the question and make it seem very, very naturally. Very, very natural, actually naturally natural. And this is where showing, not telling, also can come into play. So for example, in my last example, in my last episode, I had a character describing this Uncle Henry. The information I needed you to know is that he was a war hero, he was injured in the war, he drank a lot now because of it, and he gambled. So I had our character saying a bunch of inane dialogue, getting this across. Now, an easier way. What's an easier way? I'll tell you. I can show you visually. Now, this would be great in a medium of, you know, film or television where you can actually, as an audience member, see it. Maybe I have this Uncle Henry walking in and he's holding a bottle of whiskey, wearing an old army jacket with a purple heart and a cane as he walks. He kind of limps. So what can we assume just visually? What am I showing you? I'm showing you army jacket probably was in the war or in the army and the armed services of some sort. It's got a purple heart medal. If I know what that is, I know that that usually indicates he was injured. Uh, he's holding whiskey and drinking from it. So probably has a problem there, maybe. Uh, and he walks up to his relative's and ask them for some money because he's short this week, so I know he has financial issues. I never had to spill one word of dialogue to convey this information. I just went ahead and showed you. I visually represented all the information I needed you to know about this person. Same thing. I could could want a bad guy. Uh, so we have a bad guy and he walks into a saloon okay I guess we're doing a western it's it's a saloon he's walking into the saloon and he has a black hat on okay and there's a big huge scar down the middle of his face maybe he has an eye patch and maybe he has a go to hell uh, tattooed across his forehead and a machete tattooed on this hand and a gun tattooed on this hand okay I'm not profiling but we could probably assume this guy's a little nefarious. He's probably not going to be the hero of the story. He's looking pretty rough, okay? I just showed you, visually, what I needed you to know about this person without having to go, oh, look, here comes a bad man into the room now. I hope we'll be okay and he doesn't cause too much evil to prevail in the situation. I didn't need to do that because that would sound really, really, really bad. I'm going to show you what it is that you need to know by the character or by a certain situation. I have a person walk over to the window and look out and see the sun setting. You as an audience can assume it's going to be night soon. I don't have to say, look, it's getting dark. It will be night soon. Don't have to do it. Save yourself that dialogue. Just show the audience what they need to know to move your story along if it's important information. Ponder this it was the great short story writer. Russian playwright Anton Chekhov, he himself, who said, don't tell me the moon is shining, show me the glint of light on a broken glass. The other side of this is there are certain things an audience doesn't need to know. There are Countless things that I've read or seen over the years where someone introduces or focuses upon something that you never see again for the rest of the story and it played no part whatsoever, but it was just, I don't know, filler. I don't know what people are thinking. Sometimes it creates stuff and you focused on that brooch in that uh, counter for five minutes and then I I never saw it again. It had no part in the ending and I don't know why you wasted five minutes of your story doing that. It happens. Okay, so we focus on something that never comes back and something we really don't need to see. Is there a possibility where there's something that is important to the story that we as an audience never see? That the writer intentionally leaves out, but still can make the story work? And I will say... Yes. Yes, there is. Let me give you a couple examples that hopefully you're familiar with. One of them is the original Blair Witch Project. Now, if you're familiar with the original Blair Witch Project, it is a very frightening, tense, unsettling type of movie. But if you think back on it, this is if you've seen it, if you think back on it, what did you actually ever see? Nothing. You never saw what was out in the woods making the noise. You never actually saw the quote-unquote Blair Witch. Everything was just suggested sort of off-camera, out of the audience's view. What frightened you was what your imagination filled in, was what you thought was happening, but you never actually saw. Another example of something where what you don't actually ever see, but kind of fills in a unique plot twist, is the movie by the Coen brothers called Barton Fink. If you're familiar with that, uh, if you're not, I I do recommend it. It is a a tough uh, Coen brothers movie to watch. Uh, It's not a lot of people's favorites, but it kind of jumps around a bit, but there's an interesting plot device that they use. Now, halfway through, there's a female character who winds up being murdered. The interesting thing about this is that her head is missing. Now, at some point in the movie after this happens, Barton, our main character, Barton Fink, receives a package in the mail which is a box about the size of a human head. He doesn't actually open it. We don't actually see what's inside of it. But we as an audience suddenly start assuming that the head is going to be in this box. At some point, he's gonna open that up and there's gonna be the head and we're gonna know what happened to her and what happened to her head. We carry this, they, they as writers, carry this all the way to the very end where there's this last scene of Barton sitting on a beach with the box next to him. Someone on the beach asks him, our character, hey, what's in the box? Barton replies, I don't know. And scene. Fade to black. We're never told what's in the box. We never, ever have proof or evidence that we as an audience who assumed the character's head who was killed was in that box. We don't know. It's never shown to us but it trailed us along, it kept us going, it kept the story moving, because we were wanting to see what was in this, or the Blair Witch, we were wanting to see this Blair Witch. What was out in the woods? What was making those noises? What is in the dark? Why is that guy standing in the corner? What, we never know. It's a device that can be used as a storyteller to not show, to not tell, but keep us interested and keep us going and keep the story kind of, keep us on the edge of our seats wanting to know. Is it a letdown? Yeah, sure, I mean, at times there's audiences who are like, oh, that was kind of stupid. We never did see what happened there. We never did We never did know what was in the box. We never did see this here, which? It's okay. It's a device a storyteller or a writer can use to keep you going, to keep you entertained, uh, to keep things suspenseful, to keep you unsettled, as it were, to keep the tension high, so that when you leave the theater or the cinema or the book or the whatever, that you have this uneasy feeling that stays with you. And what does that do? It makes you remember, because your mind just won't let go of that. You'll keep, Thinking about that and, and, and remembering that as opposed to something else that's a nice, fluffy, nice family type movie that you see once and then you completely forgot. And it comes on television a couple of years later and you go like, I think I saw this. I don't, I don't really remember this. And you're watching it. Oh, well, that kind of was from, you know, there's stories like that where they're very nice and they're very safe and they're very, you know, drawn out for you. They go from A to B to C and they resolve themselves and we live happily ever after it. Those are not as memorable as the things that kind of, you know, unsettled us or upset us or leave some information out that we don't know the the tension type of movies where the writer was very, very clever, very, very clever and knows the audience and knows what levers to push, pull rather, and buttons to push and can keep you strung along and entertained When it comes to exposition, there are examples that I've covered here in my last episode and this episode. If you as a creator, can delve into. Now, there are variations of this. I mean, please take this information, which is just very, very basic and fundamental. It's like learning you know, baseball for the first time. When you're a little kid, you learn how to catch. You learn how to throw the ball. You learn how to catch the ball. And then you you go on from there. The same way with basic writing. Any basic creative writing classes you're gonna take, you're gonna learn these fundamentals. So when it comes to exposition, you can either overtell You can show and don't tell, or you can leave out. Telling your audience what they need to know is important. It's very important to move your story along so that they go, okay, we we know what this one is. Okay, we understand what this person does and what this scene is going to do and why this resolved this way. We need to know. And sometimes the things that we don't need to know, that is a delicate balancing act and that's where creativity comes in. Can you walk that fine line between showing and not showing, between telling and not telling, or leave you know, things out that they don't really need to know that they can just kind of assume? Uh, it can be a sticky wicket. Now, the best way I found to determine this is to ask yourself, does this particular detail, this particular character, or this particular line add anything to the story? Does it help it like move along? Am I stepping on the accelerator a little bit so the car is going down the road a little bit further? Or is it just you, the writer, the creator, showing off some descriptive skills? i mean come on if you're familiar with with famous authors ask yourself does james joyce really need three pages to describe a character walking around the corner or is he just kind of showing off or is he just doing that for effect you know we can have we can say a character walks down the street and he turns a corner and he goes down and buys an apple. Or we can be James Joyce and take 300 pages to describe that same thing. That was his creative choice and that made him who he was and you remember him because of that. He's mastered the art of a, of telling in that instance and he's telling you and he's showing you and it can be tiresome. It can You can throw the book across the room and get, you know, bored by it all. But those are your choices. How, how do you want to convey your story or explain things to your audience? You can show them a little bit. You can tell them a little bit. You can leave some stuff out. As I said, those are all means of storytelling and ways that exposition can work. Now, There's probably, I know there are, lots of books out there and lots of classes that you can take. But taking these basic tools, these basic things in this episode and in the last episode are the fundamentals. You can use them, carry them forward, create your own, and just remember when it comes to exposition, ask yourself, do we need to know what's in the box? I don't know. And so the mind reels.